You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Security Speaking podcast. I'm Rodney Bosch, Senior Editor of Security Sales and Integration. Pleased to be joined today by James Siegel, President of Open Path Security. Today, we're going to be talking all things access control. It's hard to imagine a security industry discipline with a hotter spotlight shining on it than access control. And Open Path is uh, smack in the middle of it all. Based in Los Angeles, the startup specializes in cloud based mobile technology, having brought to market a keyless, fobless access control platform for businesses. James, welcome. Great to be here, Rodney. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. For introductory purposes, um, James, there was a pre-pandemic story to tell about Open Path's work in the security market, and no doubt uh, that has changed a bit. Can you just give us a quick overview of your core business? And I'd like to move on to how the pandemic has kind of created new market niches for, uh, for you to pursue. Yeah, so we are uh, an access, physical access control company. Uh, we make a cloud-based mobile-enabled access control solution. Uh, so you think about you know, the idea of having a badge as well as a mobile credential, uh, and then being able to not run software locally and have it all hosted in the cloud. So there's no server to manage, no uh, SQL database to back up, no antivirus to install. Uh, it just makes it a lot easier to deploy our system and allows the capabilities that we uh, continue to roll out to be deployed to the customers so that they have new features uh, and uh, can adapt to what's happening in the world around them. I'd say that you know, if you think about OpenPath as a company, we started four years ago in stealth mode, uh, launched two and a half years ago uh, commercially with our system, and have had a really good amount of growth in a very short amount of time. It doesn't hurt that we raised a considerable amount of money, raised about $63 million of venture capital. Uh, but what I would say is that we have really, really strong go-to-market partners. We are a channel-only model, meaning you know we don't sell direct to end customers. We sell through our channel partners who are all certified and compliant on our platform. Uh, our you know high-quality system integrators across uh, the U.S. and the world, frankly, and uh, it's their expertise that has allowed us to get the kind of growth that we've had. I think we're in over 30 million uh, square feet of space in just a short two and a half years, about 18,000 doors deployed and continue to sort of, you know, grow at a pretty fast rate. So to your point about, you know, what did OpenPath look like prior to the pandemic? We were a next-gen access control system that was a real nice to have. Uh, you know, like if somebody was building out a new office space or putting in a, a you know, a, a new building or even, you know, retrofitting or, or replacing an out of end of life system, Open path was a great choice. I think now, post-pandemic, we've moved from a nice-to-have to a must-have. And that's because we have capabilities that allow for remote management, right? You think about people who don't want to actually go on site to deal with managing their access control system or changing users or issuing credentials. They can do that now via the cloud from anywhere. Uh, issuing credentials, right? So you don't need to print out badges and ship them around to people. You can offer somebody a mobile credential on their phone, send somebody a visitor pass, remotely unlock a door via your phone. And so these remote management capabilities, the mobile enablement have all become super critical now that folks are not on site 
to actually take care of their physical security and they have to depend on being remote. Uh, you know, one story I love to tell that is illustrative of this whole change that's happened with IoT, the Internet of Things, is that we have kind of future-proofed our uh, installed base by making everything connected to the Internet. The perfect example is prior to the pandemic, we had a feature called Touch to Unlock. Basically, walk up to a door, right, keep the phone in your pocket or keep talking on the phone, and you uh, touch the reader with your hand, the door automatically unlocks. It's great. You don't have to open an app, don't have to press anything, don't have to do anything. Well, you can imagine pandemic happens. Nobody wants to touch a common surface and spread germs. That's just a no-no. And so over a weekend, we developed an, a new capability. It's called Wave to Unlock. And this is the ability for you to just go up to a door. You wave your hand in front of the door, four inches away, and the door unlocks. It uses the same capacitive touch sensor in the reader, uh, but it just allows us to now not have people touch. We pushed that update out to tens of thousands of doors overnight. And literally, people woke up in the morning and their building was now re responding to the pandemic. They could now have touchless entry instead of touch entry at their building without actually having to roll a truck out to upgrade firmware or change out hardware. And to me, this is the promise of the connected building. This is the promise of Internet of Things. And this is why our customers are paying us a SaaS subscription rate every year to make sure that they can get the latest and greatest features. And this is the value prop that our channel now brings to our customers, technology that's up to date, that stays relevant to what's happening in the world around you. So, so your, how have your objectives changed or shifted because of the pandemic, obviously? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think that we've accelerated our growth and invested in a lot of uh, capabilities and integrations that allow folks to think maybe a little bit less about security and a little bit more about safety. Uh, and wellness. And so uh, we went out and sought out uh, partners who could help us with uh, social distance enforcing, right? So we have occupancy management capabilities built into our solution so that you can count the number of people who are coming into a room. Uh, once you reach a certain capacity threshold, the door then locks so that nobody else can enter until the room goes below capacity. And we do that with our own technology, uh, entry and exit readers, but we also do that with integrations with video surveillance systems and people counters. Uh, health attestations, another good example where uh, a lot of these uh, systems that do visitor management or uh, sort of tenant amenity can offer a, uh, a mobile health check where you go and you fill out this form that says, I don't have a temperature, I don't have COVID. And you do that every day before you go to work. And if you fill out that form and if you say you don't have COVID, then your uh, credentials are working at that day when you go to the office. Whereas if you don't, or if you say you have a temperature or any kind of issue, your credential will actually not work. Uh, and so these are ways to add enforcement uh, as you know, something that we control on the access control side to uh, you know, the, the validation of someone's health status. Uh, we do the same with temperature checks as well. So a lot of changes, uh, new partnerships, new features, new capabilities have been uh, investments that we've made uh, because of the pandemic. And these are integrations uh, with some of these other companies through APIs? How were you guys working there? Yeah, both hardware integration and API. And so uh, if you think about our software hosted in the cloud, the goal of having an open platform like OpenPath, where you have an API in the cloud that anybody can go to, right? And we have a, an ecosystem of developers that have gone to our developer uh, site, built out integrations, and continue to do so even without our awareness. This is what makes uh, you know, this next generation of cloud-based technology really interesting. 
And this is, I think, very different than the legacy on-premise access control systems that are in the market today. You look at the folks who make, you know, there's a silo of kind of access control vendors. Uh, there's a bunch of folks who make panels. There's a bunch of folks who make uh, readers and credentials. And in order for all of these companies to have their technology work together, they sign these very, you know, confidential license agreements with money and revenue commitments changing hands that force them all to integrate with each other. And then they very slowly over years iterate their product gradually, slowly until uh, you know, they finally come out with new features to uh, realize in the market. With OpenPath, we make the panels, we make the readers, uh, we make the access control software. So we don't kind of need to wait around for this whole ecosystem of other companies to get their act together on the hardware and the firmware and so forth. And so we can iterate quickly and everything we do is connected to APIs in the cloud. And so all these third-party software companies and hardware companies just grab our APIs and they can right away make their stuff work with our stuff. And there's no license agreement to sign. It's not a closed system. And I think that's the way the industry is shifting in general. And I think that's kind of the fear that a lot of the legacy on-premise providers have and that how do they make their technology relevant to the way the world works today, the way people buy today. I'd like to talk... Um stay on the marketplace if you can and give me your expectations just for the, the coming year. If you can talk a little bit about some of the different vertical markets where you guys are seeing opportunity, where it's sluggish and where you think, you know, it's going to pick up as the economy re recovers. So we actually have this uh, cool kind of social distancing index that we have on our website and check it out when you get a chance. It tracks uh, a population of our users uh, and the door unlocks uh, since the app pandemic started in February of last year to now. And it's really interesting to watch these different verticals, whether it's, you know, gyms or schools or houses of worship or government or, uh, you know, commercial and, and you can kind of see the ebb and flow as, you know, people go in and out in different, you know, regions are locked down and open up and locked down and open up. Uh, I would say that the one thing you can expect this year is the unexpected. Uh, there's no predictability, right? Uh, I think that we're going to continue to see a wave curve where different areas open up and close down based on vaccination rollout, uh, based on variants of the disease sort of, you know, and, and all those different sort of, you know, components. I will say, however, that uh, gyms are opening back up. We're seeing people go back to, to exercise and they're moving outdoors. Uh, restaurants and, and retailers are starting to you know, open up and, and move their uh, purchasing experiences to more sort of e-commerce assisted experiences. Uh, I know commercial office is coming back in a, in a very strong way. We're already starting to see a lot of people returning to work and returning to the office. Uh, more in the suburbs, less in the urban centers, but I think that'll return shortly over time. Um, you know, schools are touch and go right now. I, I think for the most part, they're not really well or densely populated, uh, but I think that you'll start to see certainly in houses of worship, uh, you'll start to see in a, a lot of sort of, uh, you know, industrial. Industrials never stopped. I mean, warehouses have been jam-packed. Our life sciences customers who are, you know, doing medical labs and the like, jam-packed. Uh, and so um, I think it's just, you know, all the things logically that you would assume where you see essential workers and, and folks going in, healthcare, life sciences, uh, and the places where you would assume there's no one, uh, you know, schools, uh, gyms, uh, certain retailers. Uh, I think we're seeing that as well. But I think 2021 will be a rebound year. And I think the fourth quarter, you'll start to see people just really getting back into the built world. Excellent. All right. I want to focus on the channel now and your integration partners and what challenges you see them dealing with right now. But let's step back a little bit. The access control world has always been 
as you kind of touched on this legacy siloed a discipline and now you hear so much about managed services and integrators taking on new business models create you know recurring revenue and stuff can you talk a little bit about you know what do you need out of a systems integrator to be successful not just to sell open path products but just you know in general they need to be a domain expert do they not they really do and um i think that it's it's tough uh, it's tough being a security system integrator because you're often having to be a domain expert on these different disciplines. You have to know access and all the code and fire code and fire safety regulation around different municipalities where you practice and you deploy. Uh, you have to understand, uh, you know, alarm and intrusion. You have to understand video and how to integrate all of those together. Uh, you also have the nuances of, you know, locksmithing and all the door locking uh, and, and complexity with that. And so just within the physical security space, there's a lot of different domains to become expert in. And, and I think where, where we've seen a lot of interest and a lot of movement that is kind of core to the adoption of our own technology is a desire to move to a more recurring revenue value proposition that is a recurring value relationship with your client and your customer. So there's a lot of time and energy and effort spent by our channel partners in cultivating a relationship with a client. And uh, all of that should not be just for a one-time job. You want to be in an ongoing relationship with that business, with that building, with that organization, so that when they add the next door, you're there to deploy it. When they want to add a camera system, when they need to add intrusion, when they want to upgrade the capabilities that they have to the next version, the next generation, that is the trusted relationship that our system integration partners want to have with their clients. But when you're in a one and done business where you don't have a, an easy way to offer them a recurring value proposition, it's tough to keep their attention. If, however, you have a, a, a SaaS software as a service uh, you know, solution like OpenPath uh, that's you know, cloud enabled, or if you have a video uh, solution that's IP based and cloud enabled, you have an ongoing cadence, even with alarm and intrusion, right? You have an ongoing cadence because it's a service that involves you constantly going back and having a dialogue with your customer. And that means that you're there for the next door, the next camera, uh, you know, whatever the next system that needs to get put in the next office. And so we've seen a lot of our partners uh, really try to shift their business from that one and done model to a recurring model. And that's tough to do. Uh, I think one of the catalysts for a lot of our partners who hadn't fully shifted was the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit and it's March of 2020, a lot of folks started furloughing staff. And that's because they had a headcount and they had a cash flow uh, that was based on having to constantly feed the animal and keep you know, all these installations going. And they didn't have a strong recurring base built up yet. Uh, and then, you know, once that those teams were furloughed and they now had to kind of rebuild and get to a, a kind of cash flow break even basis, they're only starting to add headcount and products like OpenPath in that allow them to sell in recurring managed services, recurring value, uh, so that they can now weather the storm the next time something happens and there's an economic downturn. And uh, I think that's a tough thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do. So but those are ongoing conversations in almost like an educational fashion that, that you have with, with your integrator partners? Are you helping them build that sort of business model? 
We are. I think um, learning how to sell a solution that is more IT centric, how to talk uh, to an IT buyer who is used to seeing stuff in the cloud, is used to paying uh, an ongoing annual sort of you know subscription fee for technology. That is a different conversation than the one that the uh, typical uh, access control system integrator was having with a more physical security facilities buyer in the past. And so kind of moving over to that other persona, that IT buyer, and starting to involve them in the purchase decision has allowed there to be a level of comfort in the traditional sort of physical security buyer that, okay, you know, cloud is good. It's approved by IT. That's going to reduce my hassle later on. My chief information security officer is on board with this. This is great. HR loves it because it connects to the IT systems that they use to manage their workforce. So all my users are synchronized. Uh, there's encryption and there's all this kind of audit and compliance uh, you know, uh, stuff, which means I'm going to meet all my compliance and audit requirements. So there's a lot of learning that's happened within our, our, our channel to really get into that IT solution selling mode, but they're finding that it's very, very sticky and it's differentiating them from the more commoditized work that was happening before where a door reader is a door reader, a camera is a camera, come on, just put something up. Well, no, now my, my channel partners are going in with a differentiated solution that is a smarter solution that offers more value and they can win the business that they were otherwise having to sort of bid on in an RFP in a commodity kind of way. Uh, and so I think that's a really kind of unique value proposition that all this cool new technology coming into the market brings to the channel. Can you give me just an outline of, of what uh, recurring revenue looks like when I sell an open path system? Obviously, we're not going to talk numbers, but where are the pieces where I, if I'm an integrator, I reap that, that recurring revenue? What, what is my sales conversation like with the end customer? Yeah, so uh, there's the hardware that you sell uh, to the customer upfront, and that is priced in parity with what you would pay for a panel today, uh, what you would pay for a reader today, what you, and those are the two pieces that we make. Uh, and then there's the software fee. Uh, and with our software, you don't have to run and install a server locally. So there's some reduction in CapEx up front. Uh, and there's no need to you know, connect multiple buildings together with a gateway server and a dedicated VPN. So there's a little bit less of an IT kind of administrative overhead and, and hassle associated with connecting multiple sites together. Uh, and so from a CapEx perspective, we're typically going to be a little bit expensive than if you're you know, running software locally. Uh, and then there's the ongoing OPEX piece and uh, the channel partner who buys wholesale from us from both the hardware perspective and reselling it for MSRP and from the software perspective, reselling it for MSRP uh, will basically participate in the annual software fees uh, at you know, whatever their agreed upon discount rate is in perpetuity. And that's a great dependable recurring revenue stream that values their system integration business at a higher multiple as well. So, you know, you think about all the exits that are happening uh, in the system integration space, the massive amount of consolidation that's going on. And I think, you know, you're, you're probably someone who can talk to this yourself, which is those integrators that have a managed recurring revenue stream are being valued much greater and higher than those who just have a one and done revenue stream, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. Um, challenges in the marketplace um, with this RMR business model. How fast can an integrator ramp up? And I'm talking the partner that works best for you. What do you need specifically from them? 
It they already that. need the IT experience. Do they need to do they need to talk the IT talk? Well, they need to learn the IT talk. I think uh, number one, they need to be a great access control system integrator, right? That's the first and foremost thing, right? Uh, and then uh, beyond that, they need to get certified in our platform. So they need to learn how to install it, to service it, and to sell it. And then we do really lean in and help out when it comes to onboarding customers, educating customers, and training them on our platform. Uh, and our APIs are all publicly available. And all of these third-party uh, sort of hardware and software partners have out-of-the-box integrations with us. We just announced a big partnership with Cisco Meraki, right? Great cloud-based video surveillance system. They integrate out-of-the-box with us. It's literally, you click a button, uh, you pull the cameras in uh, on a pull-down screen, and it's integrated. Uh, we do the same with a number of video surveillance systems, visitor management systems, and a host of things. So there's not a lot of technology complexity with that, but where you start to get into the conversation is, okay, you know, what is the value proposition of uh, a mobile-enabled and cloud-enabled access control system compared to a legacy one, right? What is the encryption burden that is on us because we have this supercomputer that sits in the user's pocket and encrypts every bit of communication end-to-end -end that has built-in two-factor authentication because you can use your face, your fingerprint, and your code to unlock your credentials so no one can just find your card and use it on a phone. And talking the talk around encryption, talking the talk around plugging, you know, cybersecurity vulnerabilities that present in the physical world, that's a lot of the education that we, we, we do with our, our system integration partners, but they're hungry for that. You know, that is stuff that uh, helps them show value and educate their customers on better technology and better solutions. They don't want to be selling commodities, right? They don't want to be selling stuff that just can buy, be bought anywhere from anyone and it's just cheap. They want to be showing and, and giving value to their customers. And so they're hungry for this information. And we've got great online training that we provide as well as, um, a great team of regional sales managers in the field who are working hand in hand with our channel partners to help them sell through their deals. Okay. The story behind Open Path, James, you and your partner or partners maybe were serial entrepreneurs and just by chance you guys recognized uh, by going in and out of buildings around the states and the world that you always had all these badges and what the hell do I do with all this stuff? How come this access control thing isn't handled better. And so you guys decided to disrupt and you created your, your technology and, and brought it to market. What have you sort of learned in that short time about the security industry? Would Be frank with me, what, do you have a frustration about the industry? It doesn't move fast enough or, or what, uh, where, where would you like to see this industry move to? Hawaii? <laughs> um, no, so uh, look, uh, my business partner, uh, Sammy Kamkar, is a kind of well-known white hat security researcher. Uh, he actually got into security when he was 16 because he accidentally uh, took down MySpace by creating something called the Sammy Worm, which is the first cross-side scripting attack. He was just trying to meet girls and trying to get like friends on MySpace. The next thing you know, he had like a couple million friends and the whole site went down. But what happened in that process is he got really curious about how systems work and kind of figuring out the, the backwards reverse engineering of, of how to sort of break into things and how do they sort of come apart. And when we got into this category, we realized that there was a real interesting uh, gap that existed that we could plug. And this is the biggest frustration we had in the security industry. And that is that there's a huge disconnect between the cybersecurity 
sort of posture of an organization and the physical security posture, right? The two strategies are not well connected. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to say, look, you're spending all this money on firewalls and technology to protect your network and you know all this stuff, but somebody can literally walk into your office, take a laptop with all your company's information on it and, and have you know, the keys to the castle. So you've got to tie your physical security strategy into your cybersecurity strategy. And that's where we saw a gap and a huge opportunity. And, uh, and that's why we kind of entered this market in this space. It wasn't just the frustration that we had with the badge. The badge was just a, a good illustrative sort of point, an exclamation point that to sort of say, wow, this thing, this is 40 year old RFID technology, prox cards that you can clone and copy at the local quickie mart for 10 bucks. Like there's gotta be a better way. We're carrying around an encrypted supercomputer in our pocket, right? That you simply can't, you know, you can't break into it. Why not use this as a way to do this? And, and I think that the same trend that we see in our homes where we're using Ring at the door, Nest on the thermostat, uh, Alexa on the kitchen counter, we're, we're involved with IoT in every element of our home life. And now we need to see that migrate to the built world where we work and where we uh, you know, you know, socialize and, and interact. And, and I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to kind of get the security industry to move a lot of the technology and capabilities from IoT in the home, from enterprise cybersecurity into the property space, right? Into the built space of the commercial world. And, and we're seeing traction. It's just, man, it's slow, right? To get people to sort of say, well, you know, I've never done this before. I don't know if I really wanna do this. Uh, this is the time, this is the change. And last year was evidence more than anything else that changes required right now in order to survive. You guys, um, when you were launching your business, specialized um, in sort of voice of the customer. You went to end user, did you not, to figure out what their pain points were and how how you would solve those? Yeah, a lot of focus groups talking to end users nonstop and and, and understand, understanding how do they use physical security today. So the idea of okay, look, if uh, if I'm going to use a mobile app, okay, do I really want to use a mobile app over using a key card. Well, it turns out that if in our studies we saw, it takes three thought cycles to use a key card. Where's my card? Thought one. Swipe my card, thought two. Put it back in my pocket, thought three. It takes seven thought cycles to use a mobile app. Where's my phone? Got to find my phone, pull out my phone, unlock my phone, close my email app, find my open path app, find the door and the site, scroll through, press the button. That's seven steps in order to unlock a door. And you're standing in front of the door for 10 seconds waiting. And so we realized very quickly that that wasn't gonna cut it. We could have the best mobile app in the world that worked reliably 100% of the time that had all kinds of patented technologies, but people were just using their card. And that's where we came up with our whole hands-free access, right? Where you walk up to the door, keep the phone in your pocket, wave your hand, the door unlocks. And that was the moment where the adoption happened. And we have you know, greater than 90% mobile adoption within our installed customer base. That's because customers are just like, yes, this is the way I wanna consume this technology. So thinking about the customer experience and then thinking about the installer experience. So we built a, a, a single door controller. Uh, and so this is a PoE, PoE plus you know, power device uh, that you can install above the door so that you don't have to wire back to the IT closet. And what we did is we followed around installers for weeks, taking pictures of every step they took to put in, uh, you know, basically an access control panel. 
And so we noticed things like, hey, when they went, uh, they needed to be able to install it on a single gang box or a double gang box. They needed on a cement wall to be able to install it, you know, surface mounted with a, a, a strip that goes across. When they install a gang box and uh, pull the wires through the gang box, and so now they're mounting it, uh, they needed a little arm to pull the wires down and hook them into so that the wires didn't slip back into the hole because getting that wire out would be a huge pain. So all of these user studies helped us build a single door controller, which is super easy to install, really delightful to use, has all the features and bells and whistles the installer wants. The customer doesn't know, it's just a white box that sits on the wall, but it takes half the time to install it and it's really cost effective. And so again, we were looking at the system integrator and saying, what is it that they need? And just like we looked at the end user and sort of said, what is it that they need? Excellent. Hey, I appreciate your time today. Could go on forever, man, but I know you got one or two other things you need to uh, accomplish today. James Siegel, president of Open Path Security, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. We appreciate your interest and encourage you to subscribe to Security Sales and Integration and its newsletters. Regularly visit securitysales.com for the latest news and follow SSI on social media.